Ridley Scott's Legend. Welcome to episode 55 of Two Geeks, Two Beers with me, Tom, and Morgan. All right. Uh, this time we are going back to 1985. Have we done a fantasy film for a while? I thought you were going to say, have we done a fantasy film from 1985? <laughs> Quite specific. Well, Back to the Future almost, I suppose, but yeah. Um, we are talking mm. legend. Legend. Not the uh, Tom Hardy craze vehicle. <laughs> this is about a wholly different Tom. Mr. Cruz. Nice, nice segue, smooth. In uh, one of his first ever film roles. Uh, we've done Labyrinth, we've done Dark Crystal. Mm. Should have done them in separate episodes. Should have done them in the same episodes. one. And now to complete the mid 80s fantasy trilogy of my childhood, mm. this is Legend. Legend. So let's start with the beers, shall we? All right. Uh, we've gone for, quite brilliantly, Cosmic Unicorn mm. from a, a Munzen brewery. A Munzen brewery. And I'm a bit nervous because it's blackberry and peach pastry sour. What does that mean? <laughs> I have no I, like what's that going to taste like in my mouth <laughs> that's what she said do you know what's occurring to me though as we hold these beers yeah is we have been doing this podcast for well 55 episodes now yeah how yeah. many years uh, at least three and a half I'd three say. and a half years at yeah. least and we've forgotten that we're meant to start the podcast by opening the beers that's a good point yeah should we open the beers I apologise that's totally <laughs> you, my bad you fucked up okay let's do it let's do it there we go. Oh, it's, it's, it's like purple. purple. There you go. Cheers. Whoa. I've never tasted anything like it. That's lethal. That's alcohol pop level. So this that. is this is 6.5%. Wow. But this unicorn beer yeah. tastes like Ribena. This tastes like, yeah, you know, like when you have, what was it, um, uh, Record League or something, you know, those, yeah. those lovely ciders. Yeah. What? I've never had a beer which tastes like a cider. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can taste the blackberry. Tastes a little bit of peach. Not sure what the pastry's oh, about. That but. is interesting. Mm. Oh, it's going to be messy. Anyway, so <laughs> we've already fucked up this episode, so let's carry on. <laughs> what do you know about legend? Cruise. Yeah. Tim Curry. Yeah. Big Red Devil. Yeah. That's about it. All right. Is Warwick Davis in it, or is that, is nah, that that's Willow? You're thinking of Willow, which Willow. we will do. I was whilst I was doing it, I was thinking of Willow. Anyway, let's watch a trailer. <laughs> Smooth. Through the ages, the powers of good and evil have been at work amongst us. Through the passages of time, many have attempted to probe and distinguish between myth and fact. What is innocence? What is purity? What is corruption? What is evil? Shut up with your heart, not your eyes. 
cameras of one of the most innovative filmmakers of our generation comes a motion picture to fire the spirit, to excite the senses. At the end, he's like, I am dark. And that wasn't Tim Curry. Clearly, wasn't Tim Curry. What Strange. were they thinking? When they said it was made by one of the most innovative filmmakers of his generation. Yeah. And until they said Ridley Scott, I because I, I thought Legend was made by Ron Howard. But I'm thinking, that's, I'm thinking, that's I'm, Willow again. Thinking Willow yeah, again. That's, no, that's, uh, that's Willow. Um, so, um, <laughs> Cruz would never do a movie like this now. Nah. I know every so often he does. Most people wouldn't. He does something a little offbeat every once in a while. He does, you yeah. know, your Edge of Tomorrows. Yeah. But mostly, he's, he's the United franchise days. king. He's, yeah. he's hanging off of stuff in Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> It, it wouldn't do anything as weird and offbeat. That no. looks bonkers. It's it's utterly bonkers. Um, well, let me take you back to a time uh, before Tom Cruise was Ethan Hunt. Before he was a maverick. Before before I was born. You before I was born. A year I was eighty six. This is eighty five. You're no, you're older than me. I am older than you, but I'm still a born. I know when I was born. When were you born? Eighty six. April eighty six. I thought you were older than Dan. <laughs> I thought you were older than. Can't speak. Don't look I like thought, that. I, I thought you were older than me than that. I'll be honest with you. All right. Don't know how that got into that. Before Tom Cruise was Ethan, before he was Maverick, before he was even Jack Reacher, he was another Jack in Ridley Scott's Legend. Now, this, sorry, you are cramming in the smooth segues. This, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to fight yeah, you now. This, this came out two years after his breakthrough role in Risky Business. Right. Even though he looks about ten years younger in this film, he does. I think yeah. it's the long hair. He's got the long because apparently he. Um, purposely at the time he apparently was going through a phase where he didn't want to cut his hair we're like that's fine by us mate you look great I assume that was just for like the you know the no, whole fantasy thing apparently he didn't want to cut it and we're like no that's fine mm. but after that he stopped that look no but it's like in Mission Impossible movies where uh, yeah. every other film it? it used to be it used to be like number one short hair yeah. number two long hair yeah. number three and so on and so on yeah. and eventually they, they ah fuck it Macquarie fucked it up um, so now I love Legend right it was one of my um, childhood favourites I watched it as a kid it was one of those classic films that you've watched as a kid growing mm. up and you love it because you watched it as a kid but now, does it hold up I wonder if, uh, if would I still love it if I watched it for the first time now like mm. you might do because you've never seen it mm. um, so unlike Labyrinth and Dark Crystal um, it hasn't stood the test of time it hasn't <laughs> had that kind of um, oh right you, you don't mean you like watched it before this and you were like oh, no I mean shit. I still love it but I, I don't, it's not had the legacy has it definitely Labyrinth have, and Dark Crystal well like Labyrinth people obviously still love because of Bowie and definitely has the legacy Dark Crystal's back Dark Crystal's coming back Age of Resistance coming yeah. to Netflix looks good looks good looks fantastic if you haven't watched that trailer go check it out visually stunning but why hasn't Legend done it as well the th- the, the, the second L after Labyrinth why, why not <laughs> again a natural segue I'll tell you so the plot I was, I was gonna uh, whilst I was doing this I was like I won't delve into the plot and I was like nah I'm gonna great because <laughs> you have no idea do you I know I know nothing about this film I like literally Tom Cruise and Tim Curry That's so I know I remember the last time I tried to do a big plot synopsis was mm. Air Bud and I lost you. So I, I will try my best. You lost me, you I lost, lost all our listeners. Yeah. So the plot basically revolves mm. around Jack, a so-called pure being who must stop the Lord of Darkness who plots to cover the world with eternal light. So think of Mr. Burns in The Simpsons. Remember when he tries to cover the, the sun? He tries to block out the sun yeah, in so Who Shot Mr. Burns. Yeah, so he, so the Lord of Darkness, the devil, shall we call him, yeah. Tim Curry, he plots to, he wants to cover the world in eternal darkness. 
Eternal Night, sorry. I thought, oh right, I thought you said, Eternal, no. I thought you said Eternal, Eternal Light. Night. I was like, sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, has been, it has been described as a fairy, dark fairy tale film mm. um, and as a homage of sorts to the disturbing fables taken from tradition of ancient times before reading and writing were widespread. Think of that. So in order to complete his plans, the Lord of Darkness seeks to kill the unicorns that guard the said light. Hence the unicorn beer. It's hence the unicorn beer. Now, I love this plot description uh, from Wikipedia. This mm. is word for word from actual Wikipedia, not a legend wiki, fan wikier type thing. Um, so there's a character called Blix, don't mm. worry about it. Blix follows impetuous Princess Lily, played by Mia Sara, we'll get on to her, and her forest-dwelling paramour, Jack, <laughs> who kiss for hours in the forest. Is, is that relevant? Don't know. Mm. After failed attempts to progress their relationship, Jack takes Lily to their lair of unicorns, something that is forbidden against mortals. So I love the fact, after failed attempts to progress, it sounds like something I made in Chelsea. After failed attempts to progress, like, oh, fine, yeah. I'll, I'll use my absolute pinnacle chat-up unicorns but also, but also, I'll take her to my lair of unicorns. Sounds like a euphemism. Yeah. But also, progress or progress their relationship? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's fantasy, who knows? Yeah. Uh, Lily makes light of Jack's fears that she broke the law of the forest by touching the sacred animals. Again, sorry, yeah. euphemism. That, and sets him a challenge by throwing her ring into a pod, a <laughs> pond. So she's just being a, a just what a bitch, what a bitch. And saying she she declares that whoever she will marry, whoever right. finds the ring. So she's gone. Do you know what? If you want me, yeah. throw it into a pond, mate. If you want to be my lover, yeah. go and get my ring out of that pond. It's like uh, what was that Britney Spears song where he dives into the jumper? Like. I, I got it I, I dived into the Oops I did it again Yeah, it's like, yeah I, no. I got it for you It's like no. oh, I shouldn't have But that's the thing That no one really talks about With Oops I did it again <laughs> Is that it's It's weirdly Like this Bizarre Quasi sequel To James Cameron's Titanic Yes it is Because Because he, he's like Because right. she, she's like she, She's on Mars or wherever Dancing about in her In her outfit And he's like an astronaut on Mars Yeah And then he gives her The necklace Yeah That she Tossed away Tossed away at the end of Titanic And she's yeah. like He's like, babe, I got, I went back and got it, for, got you. it for you. She's like, ah, oh, oh, you shouldn't should have. have. I thought the old lady threw it in the ocean in the end. Weird. What? What? Bizarre sequel. Who, right, like, He's commissioned that. Right, I've got this plan. I've heard this song, Brittany. I love it. I've got this, i got a vision for the music video. Yeah, yeah. You're on Mars right. in your red one piece. Astronaut comes. Yeah. He's got you that necklace from the end of Titanic. Right. Love it. What's the connection? Don't worry about it. All right. Brittany, before you go, there's something I want you to have. Oh, it's beautiful. But wait a minute, isn't this? Yeah, yes it is. But I thought the old lady dropped it into the ocean in the end. Well, baby, I went down and got it for you. Oh, you shouldn't have. This is like, this is worse than turtles breaking out of their shells or whatever it was called. <laughs> um, so anyway, taking refuge in a frozen cottage, Lily overhears the goblins talking about their slaying of the stallion and testing the horn's magical powers. <laughs> eh? Thought a uh, sea man was bad from the Dreamcast episode. Uh, lamenting over her sins, she follows the goblins to a ron- <laughs> lamenting over her yeah. sins. She uh, follows the goblins to a rendezvous with darkness, who orders them to hunt and kill the surviving mare. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack, accompanied by his elf mate and his fairy and dwarf pals, go along with it. It's fine. Finds the mare mourning his lifeless friend, lamenting over his sins. Jack is told that the horn must be recovered and returned to the stallion. Lily and the mare are captured, and Jack and his group make their way to the castle. Are you saying mare or mare? Mare, like horse. Right. Unicorn. You know? Not mayor, like Quimby. <laughs> mayor, like Quimby. I think I was just saying the mare. The mare. Having fallen in love with Dick. <laughs> Having fallen in love with Lily, darkness tempts her with jewellery, a beautiful dress, and promises of power and glory. So the devil, this big motherfucker, mm. 
Tim Curry, which we will get on to, don't worry. Mm. He's falling in love with her. And he wants, like, I, I want to... It's sort of, sort of similar to David Bowie in Labyrinth. He's falling in love with um, right. Sarah. Seemingly seduced, she agrees to wed him under the condition that she calls the mayor <laughs> in an upcoming ritual. She, she's bluffing, essentially. Well, spoilers, but yeah. <laughs> Over, well, all of this is a spoiler. <laughs> it's your fault you haven't watched it. It's been out since 1985. Overhearing their conversation, Jack learns that darkness can be destroyed by daylight. Okay? Mm. So as the ritual begins, Lily frees the mayor, but is knocked out by darkness. Uh, while the others relay the light of the second sun, Jack fights darkness, finally wounding him and and the, getting the getting the horn back. <laughs> <laughs> we've all we've all had that we've all had that trouble where it's yeah. like you know I've got it back. You, and then you, you know you struggle, you, lose the you horn. struggle, and you lose the horn. You, <laughs> you struggle and you fight. Yeah. you get the horn back, and then you're the stallion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As the sunlight blasts him to the edge of the <laughs> as the sunlight blasts him to the edge of a void. Darkness warns them that because evil lurks in everyone, he will never truly be vanquished. All right, all right. it's true. You know, it's very deep. The stallion's horn is returned, bringing him back to life and ending the winter. Jack retrieves the mystic ring from the pond and returns it to Lily, returning her to life. She sort of died, but you know, like Buffy style died, not really died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a that's the absolute basic plot. That's that's the bait. That, yeah, that's, that's stripped back. Is it? Do you get it? Right. If someone else sat me down and went, can you tell me? I am me, drunk and I'm really tell, sorry. You can tell me not not just the whole plot of yeah. of, of legend, yeah. but like any part of the plot. Yeah. I'm not sure I could recite it from that. No, no. So I, I enjoyed it. Unicorn is killed. Yeah. Horn is taken by devil. Yeah. Horny devil. Horny devil. Jack comes back, finds out how to kill darkness, gets right. the horn back. Yeah. Light is restored. Gotcha. All right. Thanks. So it's a kind of it's a kind of old school fantasy tale. I just don't think that you get this sort of thing anymore. Like it has to be based on something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like it's a weird original nonsense that's that's been sprung up from nowhere. Um, but you love a bit of cast stuff, don't you? I love you a love bit. Of, I love. I love very specifically a bit of cast stuff. Good. So while uh, Ridley Scott was um, considering Richard O'Brien to play this character called Mega Mucklebones, who I will get onto, absolutely terrifying. He didn't end up playing him, but who does play him? is amazing so we'll get on to that um, he watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show whilst thinking about Richard O'Brien mm. saw Tim Curry right and we thought ages ago didn't we we were like we should do a Tim Curry episode and I still mm. think we should we should I just want to do one on Cluedo if anything well Clue sorry Clue, Clue the movie he thought the actor would be ideal to play Darkness because the actor had film and theatrical experience um, Tim Curry's makeup as Darkness and Legend is considered to be one of the most iconic images in all of fantasy cinema which is why I know that image even though I've not seen the movie exactly Let's have a, a little burst, shall we? All I wish is for you to sit and talk with me. Sit? Here? Yes. I prefer to stand. Silence! Or stand as you wish. It is enough that we are alone together. Just the two of us. Some uh, simple conversation. I have nothing to talk about. You've stolen my dreams away. All things change, lady. The dreams of youth are the regrets of maturity. Dreams are my speciality. Through dreams, I influence mankind. My dream is of eternity. 
with you. Tim Curry, right? I feel like he has unquestionably like a strong cult following. Yeah. Like if you love Tim Curry, he's one of those people you really yeah, love yeah. Tim Curry. Yeah. But I don't feel like he gets the credit he deserves. No, he doesn't. Tim Curry is an incredible actor. Sorry. You obviously can't see that if you know Legend you know what he looks like yeah. he looks ridiculous in that like, but, like in a good way yeah but insanely brilliant you don't know don't know that's Tim Curry in there but the darkness in in Legend yeah Pennywise in it yeah, like, like yeah. Just, just these incredible performances yeah. and of course Rocky Horror and Rocky Horror and, and, and National Lampoon's Loaded yeah. Weapon 1 <laughs> pick up the gun what was it pick up, pick up the gun drop that gun <laughs> So good in that movie. Drop your gun, Mr. Luger. I don't have one. You are not carrying a weapon. Don't believe in them. Pick up the gun. Drop the gun, Mr. Luger. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't know necessarily that was Tim Curry in there. No. And he's got these massive horns. He's he's ridiculous, amazing makeup, mm. incredible for the time as well. Mm. And yet giving a performance of a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> like that alone. It's the sort of movie. Sort of performance that should win an Oscar, but yeah. never would. No, no. Putting that out there yeah. in the world. Um, I've got a little clip of um, Tim Curry talking about legend afterwards. I'd like to see it. And I would sort of gradually see drawings of, of, of where it was going, you know. <laughs> and we had <laughs> terrible negotiations about what bits of me would still be visible. I fought and fought and begged to have my own eyes. As he said once, oh God, you're taking my only thing left away from me. You're taking my eyes away. Uh, because we put in these full scleroidal lenses. Because by the time you put all the gear on, your head goes from here to here, from here to here. So everything's got to come up. So we put in full scleroid lenses with the nurse. She's like cutting a half a ping pong ball in half and sticking it in. and these cat slits, the vertical slits in the eye. My eyes were, were these total contact lenses, like a sort of wolf's eyes, I mean, the cat's eyes, which was fairly painful to, to be fitted because basically, you know, they took a mold of your eye and then they stuck it in your eye and if it hurt, they sort of scraped it a bit until it stopped hurting. Initially, it was quite amusing, actually. You'd go, oh, God, Complain, complain, complain. And then finally, I remember one day, he was, Jesus Christ, you want me to work? And he put him in, he stood up, and he turned, he faced the mirror and went, oh. <laughs> he, he, he liked the way he looked, finally. I love Tim Curry. I love how amused he is <laughs> by his own... He does a Vincent Price-style laugh in an interview, just off the cuff. <laughs> Amazing. Um... Do you want to guess three people who were also considered for Jack ahead of Tom Cruise? Oh, okay. Um, mm, so we're talking mid eighties. Mid eighties, and they're all still big now. Still big, still yeah. big now. Yeah, they're all famous like, now. When you say big, okay. Well, okay, okay. I got, I got, I got my first, my first shot. Yeah. Take my first shot. Richard Gere. No. Good idea. Good idea. Al Pacino. He's normally on no. these lists. A lot younger. Ryan O'Neill, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. We're talking Tom Cruise. I don't know. Age. All right, Johnny Depp. Is Johnny Depp the same age as Tom Cruise? Yeah, it's give or take. Right. He's a bit younger than there. Robert Downey Jr. Apparently. Really, really young. Interesting. And Jim Carrey. 
which right but this is IMDB IMDB I love because how many times have we done that thing where it's just lists a load of just 80s actors <laughs> were they and it's always like Tom Hanks Jim Carrey Denzel Washington don't worry about Fuck it, it. Uh, Mia Sara I'm assuming it's Sara because it's spelt Sara you know do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. S-A-R-A like, uh, Anna Faris Anna, Anna Faris yeah best known for Ferris Bueller of course and uh, oh it's the girl from Ferris yeah, Bueller oh, yeah. was... and Time Cop don't forget Time Cop I love, I love Mia Sara a um, little bit of facts about Mia Sara mm. So in ninety little bit of facts. In in ninety six, she married Jason Connery, son of Sean Connery. What? Yeah. So Mia Sara was Sean Connery's daughter in law. For a while. Amazing. Yeah. With whom she performed in Bullet to Beijing. Never heard of that myself, but But um in Bullet to Beijing. Well no, she performed in Bullet to <laughs> oh, Beijing. Alright. Bullet to Beijing yeah. is a TV movie sequel. Yeah. Don't know why I know this. To you know the um Harry Palmer movies, Michael Caine. Mm. He did like um Chris File yeah. Six Million Dollar Brain in the 60s then I think in like the 80s what, it brought it back they did like TV movie sequels to them with Michael Caine as an older Harry Palmer yeah. and then he did like a younger guy with head. Jason Connery so it was Jason Connery yeah why have you not done this in freaky film franchises sounds amazing Harry Palmer we'll do, what we should no 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 we should do this is just a production meeting now that you're listening that, in that and no, Dirty no, Harry we'll, we'll do like Bond uh, like, like Bond substitutes you know films and yeah. TV shows that try to be Bond we'll okay, do that we'll all do right. that but in June 97, they had a son, Dashiell Quinn Connery, so the grandson. Great name. Dash Connery. Yeah. Uh, but they divorced in 2002. Oh. But she's now married yeah. to Brian Henson. You know? Son, son of Jim. Son of Jim. <laughs> Amazing. Because um, she had previously been in Jack and the Beanstalk, The Real Story, which was directed by Brian. Never remember it. There you go. They also have a daughter together, um, Amelia, born in 2005. Great. Nice. Nice. What, 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 uh, what did you call it? Geektastic uh, family. Yeah. Connery, Sarah, Henson. Henson fused. Brilliant. Um, so I just want to play a little ridiculous scene featuring uh, Mia or Maya. Maya? Mia? Oh god, it could be. It could be Mia. Maya Sarah. Mia, 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 Mia Sarah. Ah. Maya Sarah. It's almost like we should have done research before this episode. Um, so it's a ridiculous scene. Just her and uh, Jack, Tom Cruise, just you know, loving it up in the forest. But they cannot progress their relationship. No. As long as they roam the earth, evil can never harm the pure of heart. Do you speak the language? They express only love and laughter. Dark thoughts are unknown to them. No. That was essentially just Lily just being a little bitch and just just even though she, he keeps telling her don't just don't whatever you do yeah. look at the unicorns yeah. don't touch the unicorns she's like no gonna touch the un- no no look I fancy you but don't 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 touch the oh Tim Curry's on our back now anyway. <laughs> And do you know? So I men- mentioned Meg Mucklebones, this terrifying character. Yeah. Can you guess who this is? You will not be able to guess who this is. Oh, you'll be really disappointed if I guess who it that. is. Sour tasting, Mary! Come to Meg, juicy boy. 
They call me Jack, ma'am. Oh, what a fine fat boy you are, Jack. You don't really mean to eat me, do you, ma'am? Oh, indeed I do! <laughs> yes, but that would be a shame because someone as fair and lovely as yourself, Miss Meg, deserves far better than scrawny me. Don't you think? Yeah. Think we fair, do you, Jack? All the heavenly angels must envy your beauty. <laughs> I know we say this a lot. I know we bang on about this a lot. Oh, but watching clips now from 1985's yeah. Legend yeah. and the the visual effects, the model work, the, yeah. the, the prosthetics we... look superior to anything oh, I've yeah. seen in the cinema for the past five, ten How years. How do you describe that? What did she look like? Like this weird, sort of freaky... Water creature. Distended goblin creature yeah. from a swamp. But because it's a real thing yeah. that they did in real life... Yeah, it actually, CGI, it's actually got a physical presence. It feels terrifying, yeah. isn't it? Compared to just some generic CGI crap that Justice <laughs> League's throwing up. It just... It, no, no competition, is it? But anyway, played by mm. Robert Picardo. Doc from... Uh, the Doctor from Star yeah. Trek Voyager? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that guy. All right, I would not have... You would I, never have guessed I, that, I, I would you? I would not have guessed yeah. that. Acting his socks off there. Yeah. It was going to be Richard O'Brien, but he went for Picardo instead. <laughs> Richard O'Brien just got like... He was like... Shafted. Yeah, Richard, I'm interested in you for this part in Legend. Oh, great. You won't know nah, you. Now nah, nah, I got Tim. <laughs> Richard, sorry about that whole Tim Curry thing. Got another role for you. Now I've hired Robert Picardo. Who? Well, he'll one day be famous yeah, playing the in, Doctor in Star Trek yeah, Voyager, <laughs> the worst of the Star Trek series. But, oh God, wow. Okay. Anyway, making of, yeah? Mm. So, before Legend, Ridley Scott had made a couple of films, including, you may have heard of them, Alien and Blade yeah. Runner. Eh. Yeah? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, obviously, You yes. don't like Blade Runner there so much, do you? Oh, it, uh, right. <laughs> Watched Blade Runner. Yep. Having heard all the hype. Yeah. Not a big fan. Yeah. Watched it a second time. Yep. Having not enjoyed it the first time, enjoyed it more because oh. I'd not enjoyed it the first time. Okay. Then realised I'd been watching the director's cut. Oh. Oh my god, have you ever seen the original Blade Runner? Yeah. With, with the, the one with the voiceover. Yeah, no. I mean, I know it's notoriously terrible. Yeah. But oh my god, it's Ruined. terrible. Yeah. The bit when um, uh, Rutger Hauer dies. Yeah. And then it cuts to Harrison Ford being like, "Well, that was terrible. Well, that was bad." And it's like, "Oh no, <laughs> what? Is, nah." Okay. Ah. Well, we'll come back to director's cuts later because oh. there's a running theme there with uh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, he can't leave it alone because there's an alien director's cut as well. Um, well, filming his uh, first film before both of those two, The Duelists in France, Ridley Scott conceived Legend after another planned project. Is it Tristan and us? A solder? I sold it. 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 Starring Maya Sara. Yeah. So um, that that fell through temporarily. But he believed uh, that this idea would be an art film with limited audience appeal, so he went on to make Alien instead and did pre-production work on Dune, another uh, halted project which was eventually finished by David Lynch. Frustrated, he came back to the idea of filming a fairy tale or mythological story. <laughs> eh? A fairy tale or mythological story. For inspiration, he read all classic fairy tales including Brother Grimm and all that kind of stuff. He wanted Legend to have an original screenplay because he believed that it was far easier to design a story to fit the medium of cinema than bend the medium for an established story. 
Good. Come up with your own fucking stories. I like now, where it's like, oh, you've got to have an established product. Got to have, got to, you got to have an IP. Got an IP. <laughs> Intellectual property. Got to have an IP. Uh, by chance, he discovered several books written by American novelist William Hortzberg and found that the writer had already written several scripts for some unmade lower-budgeted films. He asked him if he was interested in writing a fairy tale. He was already writing some and agreed. Scott said... The first notion was to actually make a classical fairy story, but if you actually analyse a classical fairy story, most are either very short or very complex. So there you go. The two men bonded over, obviously, Jean Cocteau's... <laughs> the two bonded, obviously, over Jean Cocteau's 1946 film of Beauty and the Beast. I mean... I, well, I remember when we first sort of met up. We bonded over that. One of the, one of the things we bonded over was John Cocteau's nineteen forty six version of Beauty and the Beast. It was one of the, if not if not the first thing, definitely the second or third yeah, thing yeah, we yeah, discussed. Yeah. Uh, in January nineteen eighty one, uh, just before beginning uh, photography on Blade Runner, he spent five weeks with Hortzberg working out a rough storyline for what was then called Legend of Darkness. It is odd. Much as this film looks, I'll be honest, better than I sort of thought, oh, thought okay. it thought it right. would. Give, just because it's not, as you say, it's not had quite the mm-hmm. same legacy as your, your Labyrinths yeah, and your Dark yeah. Crystals. It is odd that Ridley Scott made Alien. I know. And then Blade Runner. I know. And then this. This, this looks like it should have been the first one. Yeah. I love it. The one, surprise it, it, looks, it looks like the film that shows potential, yeah. but then he goes on to better yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott felt that they should have a quest in this story and wanted unicorns as well as a magic armour and a sword. Because why not? <laughs> That's the sort of thing you do when you're kids. It's like, right, I want armour, I want unicorns, I want swords. That's, I'm sorted. Hortzberg suggested plunging the world into wintry darkness. And his first draft of Legend of Darkness also had Princess Lily slowly transform into a clawed and fur-covered beast who is whipped and sexually seduced by the antagonist. <laughs> right, Hortzberg. Hortzberg is taking this to a place. Hornysberg, more like. <laughs> Scott is like... Hort- I don't think so, mate. Hortzberg, mate. I thought we bonded over Cocteau's version of Beauty and the Beast. But actually, we, we don't have a lot in common. No. Uh, initially, the quest was longer, but it was eventually substantially reduced. Uh, Scott wanted to avoid too many subplots that departed from the main story and go for a more contemporary movement rather than get bogged down in too classic a format. You know? By the time Scott had finished Blade Runner, he and Hortzberg had a script that was lengthy, hugely expensive and impractical in its size and scope. <laughs> they went through it and took out large sections that were secondary to the story, and they went through 15 script revisions. Uh, the look at Scott wanted for Legend was influenced uh, by the style of Disney animation. He even offered the project to Disney, uh, but they were intimidated by the film's dark tone at a time when they were focused on family-friendly material. You can't handle it, Disney. Nah. Can't handle Legend. I mean, they wanted... Uh, were they the ones that didn't like the incest in Back to the Future or did like the incest in Back to the Future? I can't remember. Did anyone like the incest in Back <laughs> no to the Future? No one liked it. But who was willing to let it slide? I think they offered it to Disney. Right. They were like... We love it, just less incest, if that's all right. <laughs> and it's like, look, look I, I'm, I'm willing to compromise on certain things. Never the, the incest is not one of them. Uh, visually, he referenced films like Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, Fantasia and Pinocchio. Uh, and if you watch it back, only now do I realise, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott also consulted with effects expert Richard Edland because the director didn't want to limit major character roles uh, to the number of smaller people who could act. So at one point, the director considered Mickey Rooney to play one of the major characters but he, even he didn't look small enough next to Tom Cruise Mickey <laughs> <laughs> Rooney Superb. known for being one of the smallest known, for his, known for his diminutive stature but next to Cruise next to Cruise didn't look small enough no um, Edlund considered shooting on 70mm film stock taking the negative and then reducing actors to any size they wanted 
So this is pre Lord of the Rings, you know, mm. reducing sizes and all that kind of thing. But this is like yeah. a this is like the reverse problem of was that was that was that from Page Master? Yeah. With Macaulay Culkin. Oh yeah. Where he was he was too tall. Yeah. So they just had to hire really tall actors <laughs> yeah. and build yeah. all the sets around him. It's like I know I know you like Macaulay Culkin, but just have <laughs> someone just shorter. Just get someone shorter. Um, but apparently that was too expensive. So Scott was tasked with finding an ensemble of small actors. So we've got a load of uh, dwarf guys in. Um, in order to achieve the look of legend that he wanted, and this is amazing, he scouts the locations in, is it Yosemite? It's like Yosemite, Yosemite Sam? Sam? Yeah, National Park. Uh, to see the grand scale of trees there. And he said, the whole environment is so stunning, it was so impressive, but I had no idea how I would control it. So instead, they thought it was too much to shoot on location, so he just built a forest. What? In the 007 stage, you know, in um, oh, Pinewood. Pinewood, classic. He built an entire forest. They spent 14 weeks constructing the forest set, and even then he was worried it wouldn't look real enough. It was only days before the start of uh, the filming that he thought, yeah, that's fine. The trees were 60 feet high, trunks 30 feet in diameter. And you look at it, you think, that's real. That's a real forest. Yeah. No, nope. Built <laughs> on the fucking Pinewood set. And it's amazing. You look at that and you go, now they just CGI it, the entire thing. No, nope. Made a lot of effort. Literally literally made a forest made from a forest. scratch. Uh, with the exception of Cruz and Sara, um, all the principal actors spent hours every morning having uh, loads of makeup applied. Between eight and twelve prosthetic pieces were applied individually to each face, then made up, moulded, and grafted into the actor's face, so that prosthetics moved with their muscles. So you know, so it was. It wasn't um, Jim Henson's stuff. They were like, this is just amazing makeup dudes. Each ma- each person needed three makeup artists working on them for an average time of three and a half hours, um, and actor Tim Curry took five and a half hours because his entire body was encased in makeup. How long was his how long was his day? I know. How awful, long was his day? Awful. Turned out went, oh, okay. And then he gave a performance of a lifetime. He did. Wearing all that. Must have been fucking heavy. He had to wear a large bull like structure on, on top of his head with three foot three foot fiberglass horns supported by a harness underneath all that makeup. Um, the initial design of the horns placed a strain on the back of the actor's neck because they extended forward and not straight up. Uh, but it, they reduced the they eventually reduced the weight to make it feasible beyond, you know, beyond just dying on set. Um, at the end of the day, he spent an hour in a bath in order to liquefy the um, the spirit gum that he had to apply to his. Oh, so he just had to sort of like melt it off. Yeah, it just just right. Tim, bath time. <laughs> Uh, at one point, Curry became claustrophobic, got too impatient, and pulled the makeup off too quickly, tearing off his own skin in the process. Ah! Scott had to then shoot around the actor for a week as a result. He was like, I fucking can't do this anymore. Ah! But in that clip earlier, Scott was like, yeah, Tim, he was always whining. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He had, like, horns on his head that would have, like, broken his neck. Yeah. He had to sit in a bath of spirits to <laughs> melt off the makeup. I'm you one. He's, he's trying his best. <laughs> Richard O'Brien's own going... Lucky escape. Uh, lucky escape. I'll do Crystal Maze again, thanks. Yeah. Um, so one of the main um, subjects of legend um, is very similar to how I wanked on about in Muppet Christmas Carol with mm. the whole soundtrack thing. So there's so there's two soundtracks for legend. Um, so and this is when all the director's cut all comes into play. So right. Scott's first cut of legend ran 125 minutes long. Sorry, quite long. He then believed that there were minor plot points that could be trimmed and cut the film down to 113 minutes, so he tested this version for an audience in Orange County. However, it was decided the audience had, had to work too much to be entertained. So they were like, oh, I've got to like, get entertained here, I've got to like, build up this. All right. Apparently working far too hard to get entertained. <laughs> and if that's happening, you know you're having a bad time. Oh, that's what happens when you go to the OC. I know. <laughs> 
Um, however, uh, so another twenty minutes was cut from that. Oh, so I thought you meant. I thought you meant because he cut stuff out, no, they no, had to no. work too hard to like make nah, join, join then, the dots. Even that. Well, maybe, maybe it was. But, but then he cut even then more. Then he cut even twenty more minutes. This ninety-five minute version was shown in Great Britain, and then the film was cut down even further to eighty-nine minutes. Eighty-nine minutes. Yes. Yeah. At the time, said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. What did at the time say? At the time, Scott said, European audiences are more sophisticated. They accepted preambles and subtleties, whereas the US goes for a much broader stroke because he's essentially saying what we always say. Yeah. And Americans need, you know... Americans you know, are stupid, is Americans what he's saying. <laughs> Apologies to any of American listeners. It's really Scott's opinion. It is it's really... Not ours. I'm, I'm, we're not saying it. We're really not Scott saying it. it. We're not saying it. Just back yeah. off. Scott said it. He and Universal delayed the North American theatrical release until 1986 so that they could replace... Jerry Goldsmith's score with new music by Tangerine Dream, 80s supergroup Tangerine Dream, Yes lead singer John Anderson, and Brian Ferry. Right? Sorry, sorry, I thought you were saying yes. Yes, lead singer. <laughs> so, yeah, so essentially, Jerry Goldsmith, he's this accomplished, brilliant. Oh, I was going to say, Jerry Goldsmith. Like, I'm, no, looking he's great. Up, I'm looking him up now. Like, he's brilliant. Yeah. So, anyway, he did the original score, like a normal theatrical score, yeah. and for whatever reason, the North American release, they were like, Nah, come on, we need labyrinth style. But, I mean, Jerry Goldsmith, he's done a lot of incredible stuff, including composing the theme tune to Star Trek Voyager, mm. starring Robert Picardo. So, I don't oh. know what Scott's problem was. So he brought in Tangerine Dream, great 80s electro group. Uh, yes, lead singer, Jan- Johansson. <laughs> and, yes, lead singer. Yeah. And the one and only Brian Ferry. Now, Scott allowed Goldsmith's score to remain on European prints, and the composer said... This dreamy, biolic setting is suddenly to be scored by a techno-pop group. Seems sort of strange to me. Fair enough. And normally, Goldsmith said he would spend six to ten weeks on a film score, but for Legend, he spent six months writing songs and dance sequences ahead of time, and in the end, got taken away. Now, saying all that, the version I knew growing up was the Tangerine Dream version. It was this 80s electro brilliance and I loved it so I, you prefer, I thought, do you prefer uh, it I, well it's the one yeah, I grew up with I preferred it yeah. I thought it was fantastic and there's, there was this ending song called Loved by the Sun right yeah. sung by John Anderson with Tangerine Dream and it's utterly stunning and just so powerful let's have a watch now shall we Central. Beautiful really stuff. Good. Got to say. And that's the version I knew and loved, whatever. It turns out, I think I'm actually the minority. Because really? everyone, without question, says that Jerry Goldsmith's score is the best one. And if you watch it on telly now, if ever Legends on TV, mm. it's never always the version go, always I Always Goldsmith. Do you, have a copy of, do you have a copy of your version? I did, and then they brought out like a DVD Blu-ray <sighs> thing, so it had both on it, which is fine. But yeah. yeah. Um, in 2000, Universal unearthed an answer print of the 113-minute preview cut with Jerry Ooh. Goldsmith's score. Uh, this print had minor visual anomalies, but they were eventually digitally restored. Um, and this edition is Scott's preferred 2002 director's cut um, with the restored Jerry Goldsmith soundtracks. 
And Tom Cruise reportedly wasn't happy with the American Cup with the Tangerine Dream version. Cruise didn't like the Tangerine and Dream. And he wouldn't talk about it for years because of it. <laughs> so and I was like, Tom, uh, are, you a, are, you, are you a Goldsmith man or a Tangerine Dream man? He's like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but in recent years, he's very much encouraged fans to go with the Director's Cup version, the Jerry Goldsmith version. Now, I do totally disagree, but only because that's the one I grew up with. Yeah. But however, Jerry's score... I've since gone back. Pretty damn fucking good as well, obviously. Have a look at this. Just just two great versions. Now that must be a cinema first. That film has two soundtracks, totally different, both brilliant. Both both fantastic. Do you know what else Jerry Goldsmith composed? What? Composed the theme music to uh, Barnaby Jones, which I only know from uh, South Park. I'll just talk next time. I don't have to run so much. Now because of that, there are three endings for Legend. Three? The director's cut, the one I wasn't familiar with, uh, Lily wakes with Jack trying to convince her she was merely dreaming but she is ultimately unconvinced <laughs> they confess their love for each other but realise they live in two different lifestyles which causes Lily to request continuing a merely platonic relationship Jack happy with this request accepts Lily returns to her home to assume her responsibilities promising to visit him again Jack happily runs off into the sunset held by the forest fairies and they revive you to corns the end mm. bit of a bittersweet ending bittersweet yeah the one I knew the American theatrical version Jack and Lily assure each other of their love and watch the unicorns reunite and they run off into the sunset together hailed by the forest fairies and the unicorns Darkness so, watches them from the void and he laughs Oh, so a little bit little bit yeah. dance at the end there. but they end up together they end up together yeah the other version the European version also ends with Jack and Lily running off into the sunset but without the darkness appearance at all were, were they still hailed by the forest fairies yeah they were still, they were still, they were still hailed by the forest yeah. fairies so I don't know I kind of I, I grew up with the one where they ended up together and that's the one I loved because I was a little kid and yeah. I want that but I sort of like the whole we're not we're not we're from two different worlds like Ryan and Marissa from the OC okay? exactly yeah. what I was thinking yeah. but I, I, I feel like the OC is very much our uh, Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast yeah. yeah yeah so reception right Legend received mixed reviews at best it currently holds a 36% rotten approval rating which isn't very good at all really is it um, do you know? Do, do, do you know what though? I feel, I feel like what I what I like about this podcast, Tom. Yeah, is that you in no way give away the fact that we're just reading off of Wikipedia <laughs> by by literally saying reception before you before you go into the. Room. <laughs> it's only on Wikipedia, is that? Reception. Box office. Do you know what? Links. You know. You know how sometimes I have audiobooks and mm. I like to weirdly read the book whilst it's reading to me. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well, every time we do an episode, load up the Wikipedia page and just, just watch the words come out of our mouths. Do you know what I mean? Watch the yeah. words come out of our mouths. Um, or listen to The them. general consensus reads, Not even Ridley Scott's gorgeously realised set pieces can save Legend from its own tawdry tale, though it might be serviceable, serviceable for those simply looking for fancy eye candy. Bit harsh, in my opinion. Um, now, the, 
the good reviews come from websites I've never heard of uh, Fantastic praised the film highlighting the makeup design by Rob Bottom and uh, Tim Curry's performance as Darkness <laughs> TV magazine show rock bottom <laughs> Uh, saying that because of the visuals and Curry's performance uh, the film was worth seeing <laughs> uh, needcoffee.com praised the film um, once again highlighting Bottom's makeup focusing on the character Darkness saying simply that Tim Curry's Darkness is absolutely incredible I agree uh, the New York Times said it was a slapdash um, of the Old Testament King Arthur Lord of the Rings and any number of comic books probably a fair statement um, and, and in general just the worst one though, uh, Gene Siskel, the Chicago Tribune. I was I was just I was about to say Siskel and Eber. What did they, they have to say? Oh, that's coming. That's coming. Siskel gave the film one star out of four and said that the writing his review was akin to recalling a bad dream, <laughs> including that I don't I don't remember any more about Legend than to make sure I include it in my worst films of '86 and never rent it when it comes out as video cassette. It's not that bad, Siskel. I know. Siskel. Eber is mate Eber of the Chicago Sun Times at the time. Praise Bottom's makeup and the set design and the performances of Tim Curry and Tom Cruise but noted that the effects were so good that roles could have been played by absolutely anyone mm, <laughs> not I, Tim Curry though I disagree with Eber yeah. I, feel, I feel like they added a little something yeah. extra well a lot extra however with the release of the 2002 director's cut he agreed with many fans on how it was intended yeah. to question the balance between good and evil and gives the main characters moral flaws to display the imperfections of human, humans <laughs> right I, feel, I barely got those words out you did but I feel like that's quite a, a change for me would be like yeah, some good effect. Couldn't be played by anyone. And then all of that shit you just yeah, said. Yeah. I feel like Ebert realised he was out of step. I feel like he realised, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh shit, everyone loves Legend. So it sounds like the director's cut is actually the better version, but I've got that weird thing where you've watched it growing up and so that is your definitive and version. And just love a bit of Tangerine Dream. I do love a bit of Tangerine Dream. Um, so what do you think? What do you reckon? That's, a, that's about it with Legend. That's, that's I'm, I'm intrigued, actually, by, by what I've seen. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Give it a go. It just, just looks visually spectacular, yeah. at the very least. I, I have no idea how the film holds together. I'm not even entirely sure what the film's about after, <laughs> after <laughs> me trying to explain it. Having had that conversation with yeah. you. But, um, but, but, you know, looks interesting. I'd, yeah. I'd give it a go. Good. Mm. Good. That's about it. Yeah. I think, you know, it's underrated of its time. Mm. Tried their best. It brought Tom Tom Cruise to the world again. If it if it was the first movie from yeah. a you know a budding young filmmaker, yeah, I feel like it would be better yeah. thought of. That I think it suffered for being yeah, the, the third film yeah. from the man who had made Alien and Blade Runner. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, thanks very much for joining us. As ever, check out all our previous episodes, including the uh, Dark Crystal Labyrinth mashup, episode thirty-one. Yeah, good. Go to twogeeks2beers.com to find that and all of our social channels, which is. Two Geeks Cast. You can find us there on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep. And uh, subscribe in all the ways you normally would iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. And wherever possible, yeah. you should leave us a review. Please do. And give us a rating. Yeah. And support us on Patreon as well. Find us on there. Give us a search, and you can um, get a load of exclusive goodies, and spe- including special episodes you can only get on there. Outtakes, all sorts, bloopers, and if you cough up enough, you might even get a, your own two yeah, weeks episode one. exclusive. We've recorded a couple already. It was great fun, wasn't it? Doing like special ones we would never have thought of doing. You'll so, never hear it. No, you, yeah, you won't hear it because it's there. There, if they put it online, it's fine up to them. But you know, we're not putting it online. It's exclusive. So give us a shout on there. Um, so that's about it we're going to end mm. with another song from the Legend soundtrack Tangerine Dream no oh this is Brian Ferry right now I <laughs> weird because this is one of those films where it's right at the end of the credits I think mm. 
it's on the soundtrack of the, the the one I knew. Yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily know it existed. Yeah. I knew later it existed because How to Destroy Angels, which is Trent Reznor's spin-off band, covered it, and I had no idea it was this. Wow. So Brian Ferry did this song, Is Your Love Strong Enough? And it's just a great, great tune. I'm going to end with that. I don't know what more you could want. <laughs> what could you want? I don't know. So enjoy this, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time, Thanks I guess. not giving us five stars after this. I know. Thing. Bit of Brian Ferry. <laughs> Obviously, love Tim Curry. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Clue. Clue. Legend. National Rocky Lampoons. Loaded, loaded Weapon One. Rocky Horror. I think my favourite Tim Curry moment though mm-hmm. is from one of the Command and Conquer games. All right. You ever seen this? No. Only Tim Curry could deliver this line in, in quite this quite this fashion. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. <laughs> Space. <laughs> His little grin. It's the, way, it's the way he's trying uh, not to laugh. He's trying to laugh. <laughs> Spice! I bet he got paid like five grand to do that. Uh, Good on you, Tim. Cheers. Uh, cheers, Tim. You watch that again, just because it's the bit he's obviously trying not to laugh. Capitalism! Who's there? Yeah. <laughs> Spice! <laughs> oh, very good. Uh.